Greetings in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This devotional is titled, How Shall Kingdom Citizens Then Live? One of the greatest errors that has been propagated throughout the church is the idea that one can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and yet not have a changed life. That is a non sequitur. It doesn't follow. It is not consistent with what Jesus taught. The flow of thought in Matthew 4 and 5 goes like this. Repentance is necessary to enter the kingdom, Matthew 4:17. Beatitudes, descriptive of kingdom citizens, Matthew 5, 3 through 12. Salt and light, the disciples' influence, testimony, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Christ fulfills the law and the prophets, that is, makes kingdom living possible, Matthew 5, 17 through 20. And then we read from Christ, uh, what Christ said in Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And then he says in Matthew 5, 20, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus here is talking about practical righteousness as seen in the contrast with the practice of the scribes and Pharisees. Kingdom people are defined by true repentance, an internal reality, which then demonstrates itself in practical righteousness, an external reality. The remainder of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5-7 through is essentially a further unpacking of the truth in Matthew 5.20. Everything builds on the righteousness Christ came to fulfill in the lives of his people, as seen in 520. The theme of the remainder of the sermon, in essence, answers the question, how shall kingdom citizens then live? As believers living in the church age, we note the prominent New Testament emphasis on the Spirit who now lives inside of us. And we note that the fruit of the Spirit is really a kingdom emphasis, because the new covenant and the kingdom go together. Really, the fruit of the Spirit could in a sense be called the fruit of the kingdom. Kingdom living is spirit-filled living based on our new covenant relationship with God through Christ. Matthew 5, 21 through 48 is often called the sixth antithesis. The sixth antithesis because all six sections begin with some variation of Christ saying, but I say to you, seen in verse 21, 27, 31, 33, 38, and 43. So we got six sections here, six topics. Number one, murder slash anger, Matthew 5, 21 through 26. Number two, adultery, Matthew 5, 27 through 30. Number three, divorce, Matthew 5, 31 through 32. Number four, Oaths, Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Number five, vengeance, Matthew 5, 38 through 42. And number six, love for enemies, Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Well, what was the point? Didn't Israel already know about murder, adultery, divorce, etc.? Well, yes, they did. But the deeper teaching of Christ shows that the spirit of the law has an internal dimension. The law is not merely to be externalized, but also internalized. 
It's not merely about our actions, but also about our thoughts that lead to actions. This is the stuff of New Covenant living. The New Covenant is all about the ministry of the Spirit in changing people from the inside out. It relates inherently to our inward thoughts and disposition. Jeremiah 31:33 says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is the aspect of the law that Jesus came to fulfill in a deeper sense in the lives of his people. The writer of Hebrews applies new covenant realities to the church, as seen in Hebrews 8. New covenant truth that ultimately applies to Israel and the kingdom has spiritual application to the church today. In applying this internal aspect of the law, Jesus presents a deeper understanding based upon his prophetic authority. All the way through the Sermon on the Mount, there is a special emphasis on the fact that Jesus taught with unique authority and not as the scribes. Who would have the audacity to come along after the Jews had the law for 1,500 years and say, oh, by the way, let me tweak this a little bit for you. Let me enlighten you on the deeper reality of the law. Let me tell you I have come to fulfill it in a deeper sense. Who in the world could possibly have this kind of authority? Well, only the Messiah, who is God in a human body, which is exactly who Jesus was. Moses was considered the greatest prophet in the history of Israel. At the end of the book of Deuteronomy, it says in Deuteronomy 34.10, quote, But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses. But Moses, the greatest Old Testament prophet, said that God would in the future raise up yet another unique prophet who would speak the word of God with power and authority. Deuteronomy 18.15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses says, from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. And he goes on to say in verses 18 and 19 in that chapter, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. The Jews rightly considered this prophecy in Deuteronomy 18 a messianic prophecy. In Acts 3:22 and 23, Peter plainly said this was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus as the Messiah ultimately fulfills perfectly the office of prophet, priest, and king, all in one person. Jesus was more than just a prophet, but he was a prophet par excellent, on a level higher than any other. He not only spoke for God, he was God. This is the level of authority seen in him as he explains and brings to fulfillment a deeper dimension of the law than anything ever realized before. Christ came to make possible the writing of God's law in the minds and hearts of God's people. This is new covenant stuff. Any person who has truly been regenerated has this new orientation. Under the new covenant, God changes people from the inside out. He changes their minds and hearts to where they want to obey him. God changes their wanters in keeping with a whole new nature and the internal ministry of the Spirit. There is one condition for Israel, and by application for anyone today, to enter into this new covenant relationship with God. 
they have to come to repentance. In Acts 3, Peter challenges the Jews to repent so the kingdom times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord and that Jesus might come. Compare Acts 3.19. A new covenant relationship with God is based on repentance, which is demonstrated in a changed life. A.W. Tozer said many years ago, plain horse sense ought to tell us that anything that makes no change in the man who professes it makes no difference to God either. And it is an easily observable fact that for countless number of persons, the change from no faith to faith makes no actual difference in the life. In Acts 3, 19-21, Peter says to the Jews, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing, that's the kingdom times, the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Lord, we thank you for your teaching. We thank you for the New Testament, how it all fits together around the person of Jesus Christ and uh, for new covenant realities. Lord, really, you came to uh, introduce uh, not only um, a different law, but really uh, you came to show us how we can live out uh, the deeper essence of the law, uh, not only to not commit adultery, but we're not even to look on a woman. Uh, Lord, there's uh, internal heart realities that relate to repentance, that relate to internal transformation. You came to bring this about in our lives, that we might live out these kingdom realities, uh, this kingdom ethics that you spell out in Matthew chapter 5. Lord, again, we thank you for your word. Help us to live it out. We can't do this in the flesh. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's all according to your grace in our lives. And so we thank you for uh, New Testament truth, uh, new covenant realities lived out in our lives today by your grace. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.